record. It's now recording. Mic check, mic check, mic check, mic check, mic check, mic check, check mic, mic, check. Okay. Kia ora, and now my haramai to another episode of Curiously Catholic, the Evangelion podcast. My name is Dominic Malgeri, and I'm your host and the director of this organization, which is crazy. Uh, so we're on the second episode of Curiously Catholic of 2024, and I'm quite excited to be here because I feel like God gave me a big mouth and a loud voice, and the world gave me a podcast, and I, so I love talking to people, and this way I can do it without even being there. I can just talk to people all the time, which I love, unfortunately, and you know, you guys can listen if you want to. You can put me on double speed, you can press pause, you can turn the volume down, do what you like. Anyway, in this episode, we're going to talk about what it's like to be in a spiritual de- desert and how to be in those deserts by looking at a few biblical characters. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you a bit more about the mission of Evangelium. Like I said, God gave me this big mouth and these loud voice so that I can proclaim his word throughout the world. And I really feel like that. I felt that from a very early early on in my life, even before I became a Christian, that there was always something more drawing out myself. And I have all these gifts that some people find annoying, but they can be useful as well. And in the Gospels, it tells us to go, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that just seems to me something that we need to be doing. And when I moved to New Zealand, I met all these amazing people. I saw all these great communities. And I thought, we can really do it here. We can really live out this gospel message. And I just want to uh, make it a reality. So a few years ago, a couple of friends of mine, some very good friends, started out Evangelion, the idea of bringing people over here so that we can learn how to do this message properly. But I can't do it on my own. And I don't want to do it on my own. I want to do it with you. I need mission partners. So if you like what I'm talking about, if you are excited about the idea of evangelizing New Zealand and making a Catholic nation, come talk to me. Go in the description below and click on the link. Give me your details. I will call you up for a coffee and we'll go into detail about the mission. You can ask me any questions you like and we can uh, we can find out how you can help me to help you to help God to make this vision a reality. So without further ado, let's crack on with the podcast and learn about some Catholic life. So, we're entering into the desert. We're in the season of Lent, but really, Lent is a time, and we have these times in the church, like we've got Lent, we've got Advent, and they are like liturgical times of being in the desert. But in reality, the majority of the time is ordinary time, and our spiritual lives aren't purely liturgical. We go through peaks, we go through troughs, and I think times like Lent and Advent can prepare us for those troughs those troughs which are like a spiritual desert. So looking back to Lent, and for as long as I've been a Catholic, which has been about, I'm 35 now, so I think it's been 15 years. Maybe, maybe 13 years. Not bad, eh? Um, So, but for that whole time, Lent has been described to me as Jesus' time in the desert. And in fact, the homily today at Mass was talking about that in detail about the the three things Jesus went through, how it relates to the three things we do in Lent and how it relates to everything in Scripture. We've got a very good priest. And um, as good as that is, being told that 40 days, Jesus spent 40 days in the desert, we're spending 40 days in the desert, we're doing prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and that relates to the three temptations of Christ, great. But it doesn't really give me much in way of details of how to be in the desert. Also... Jesus is literally God, and I'm literally not God, and he's fighting literally the devil 
well, who's way smarter than me? So how can I relate to this? I, I, that's something that I've always struggled with. It's like, it's a nice thing to know. It's like, oh yeah, it matches with the Bible, but that's that's not enough when you're, you know, when the rubber meets the road or when your sandals meet, sandals meet the sand in this case. So we look to the gospel where Matthew 4, 1 to 11, and it tells us that Jesus went into the desert. It tells us that he was famished. And then at the peak of his exhaustion, the devil came and tempted him. Now that's not unhelpful to know. So re think about in our own lives, when you're at your most tired, that's when the devil's going to attack. So that we know when to be prepared. So don't get me wrong, we can learn a lot from this, but all it literally tells us is, is he was famished, the devil tempted him, and he didn't fall. And they were pretty good temptations. Make bread out of rocks, you can do it, right? Get angels to catch you, and I'll give you all these things. You know you know the words. I'm Catholic, I don't know the Bible off by heart. But anyway, um, so yeah, we can learn a lot about this and about temptation, but it, with regards to how to be there, how to be in the desert and what to expect aside from being hungry there's not much in this 11 verses in the fourth chapter of matthew so fortunately as catholics we have the whole bible we put it together and there are, the desert's mentioned a few times throughout the discourse of salvation history so let's look at a few other times of the desert we have where is it so as well as jesus uh the most prominent of the uh, characters we're going to talk about today. We have Jesus who entered the desert for a time and dwelt there. We have Moses in Exodus. We have Elijah in the book of Kings. And we have John the Baptist, which is mentioned again in Matthew's Gospel just just prior to this. Uh, so we, we can look at these uh, other f figures and see what we can learn from them. So I would say my favorite, it's not really my favorite, but it's one I'm most familiar with, uh, Exodus. It's also the most extensive on how like a how-to guide of being in the desert if you will and it's a great read it's what i what i really love about it is how human it is but actually the other guys are really human as well but how human it is because it's about the story of the israelites a group of people that are leaving egypt which is kind of a metaphor for um like the world around us and satan well pharaohs like satan and there's lots of I'm not a biblical theologian, but I have watched a few podcasts. And they say things like this. And um, so, yeah, we were watching the Israelites leave Egypt, which is a way of not how, how not to be, uh, according to God. Because as it mentions at the beginning of Exodus, there was a time where the chosen people of God were living in a way that God wants to. And it's when uh, Joseph was king. Uh but as it states at the beginning of the story, this was a time when they, they did not know Joseph. They'd forgotten who Ju Joseph was. And it's sad because if you if you read that, which I haven't read it, but I've listened to it through, thank God for Mike, Father Mike Schmidt saying, um, it's really sad because like it seems to be this really beautiful, prosperous time. And they actually get through a desert time, well, a potential desert time through uh, the grace of God. But this time has been forgotten and uh, they need to, they've moved away from God. So this isn't like, Joseph died and like two years later they've forgotten him it's like a long a long time later maybe hundreds of years later there's no sign of Joseph the people have forgotten who Joseph was they've forgotten the way of life they have maybe they've got a few principles and rituals that they keep going and there might be the odd crazy person that still has it right but they're crazy compared to everyone else but the Israelites in this situation they become entrenched in Egyptian culture not just the food and the music and the 
clothing, but like the gods, the way that they worshipped had been changed. And so they needed to return to God. And this is the process of it all. Entering the desert, the plagues, all sorts of things. It's a kind of a, a purgatory. Um, I do. It occurred to me that this is probably a really good biblical uh, example of we do need a kind of purgative stage in our afterlife but again that's uh, for the theologians and apologists to discuss but maybe something to talk about um so in this purgative space we're separated from what we've known which is in our case in their case was egypt in our case it's kind of like you name it social media youtube influencers uh just delectable treats and ways of living and you know the exodus 90 program shows you to, of how to take away all those things but again you don't need to you don't need a program to enter into this really you just need to just reading the book of uh, exodus and looking at the israelites you can see actually if i put myself in the desert what do i have i don't have internet connection for a start so that's all social media got i don't have a tv there's no like sports, there's no beer, there's no corner shop which I can just pop down and buy things or like if I'm feeling low, go to, uh, you know, um, farmers and buy some clothes or do some, you know, what's it called, retail therapy. There's no treats, there's nothing nice, but there is good things. Like the manna from heaven tasted like honey. So it's not just, Lent isn't just whip yourself until you're miserable, but, you know, take away the things that you lean on more and the the place that you would be in if you took those things away is a desert so if you're just thinking like that entering into a desert it takes you away from all the comforts of life not in a ridiculous sadistic way but just in a in a reality kind of way and in doing so gives us a way to live a path a path out of our fallen ways and a way to experience freedom um a deeper freedom uh deeper than anything the world can offer because when you're in the desert it's just you it's just you and god mano a mano and you have that silence because there your batteries run out on your ipod do you guys use ipads that's how old i am ipods anyway um your batteries run out on your mp3 player there's another one um so you've got no music you've got no all you have is what you have and what the Lord provides. And it's really beautiful in that sense, but it's all it's not like, you know, people talk about Christianity being a crutch. It's like, yeah, if the crutch was covered in spikes and was blazing hot, you know, there, there is a cross to bear here. And in taking away these things, which I don't want to, like, kind of numb us against things that are nasty, when, whenever I'm feeling a bit, oh, I'm tired, and I don't want to do, I'll just zone out into my phone. Like, you can't have that. You just have the God in you. And... Yeah, so going into the desert takes you away away from things like wealth, pleasure, power, honor, and it, it leaves you with the reality of the world and the only way out of that, which is God. And that's not like out of reality, but into a deeper reality, a, a, a more true reality where, you know, the opposite, so like humility is, is the currency and um, the meek, um, is the way to go i could go on there's more to talk about that but we're doing one episode of this podcast and i want to crack on to my two mates jtb and elijah so that's john the baptist in matthew 3 and elijah in 1 kings i think actually the prophet elijah is probably my most favorite 
of the prophets. Um, I'm not fully entrenched in scripture, but there's a few stories I've heard of Elijah. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'd do. And uh, yeah, we'll go into that just now. So John the Baptist, Matthew 3, Elijah in 1 Kings. Um, in these particular pieces of scripture, much like in Jesus' time, there's not much in the way of details of like, as we see in the book of Exodus, um, there's literally the law is laid out. <laughs> you know, you want to know what to do, it tells you. And you see how they act and react to hard times and receiving God's uh, providence. But this, in this side, in these two scriptures, is a lot more just about the providence. Uh, we see, so like, we see in like Elijah that uh, the, the God's providence in a very kind of explicit way. In John the Baptist, it's more the effect of God's providence. Um, so like, let's let's get into it. Uh, where are we? So Matthew does give us... In oh, yeah. So the effects of God's providence in, in uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, with John, John, John the Elijah, John the Baptist, is uh, all we're told is that he eats honey and locusts and he wears um, clothing made out of camel's hair. Now, I imagine the vegans would be very happy with this and he's not eating animals and he's not eating dairy. That's the other thing vegans don't like, right? I don't know. Anyway, but like he's eating bugs and he's eating honey and that sounds weird and and he's wearing camel hair. And so this is this is just this this is the effects this is the what God provides. This isn't um processed food, this isn't processed linen, it's just from the earth. God, you know, there's that scripture verse again, you know, the Lord provides, look at the look at the flowers of the field, look at the birds of the air. Um, the Lord provides for us. We have things that we can use. And I think, again, at the front of it, if you were going from your, uh, I'm not saying that people are doing this, but like your Starbucks lifestyle, you know, and your, you know, fast food lifestyle and your, uh, you know, eating at New World or whatever the fa fanciest places are or eating out all the time. If you go from that straight to locusts and honey, it's going to be real difficult. Uh, but if you go through like a spiritual discipline and you, you, you'll end up there and it won't necessarily be locusts and honey, but it will be, you know, the cheaper bread, <laughs> I guess, or just not eating out as much and learning to cook and actually gaining skills and then growing your own vegetables and realize, oh, wow, I can live off the land. Maybe just thinking out loud here. And so we see that from John the Baptist. He is living this life and he is eating what the Lord has given him and he is wearing what the Lord has given him. Um, however, just looking at the weird food and the uncomfortable clothes will miss what is deeper here, showing that the Lord provides. Um, and then this goes into a deeper sense in Elijah. Um, if you don't know the story, briefly. So uh, Elijah is going to go head to head with the priests of Baal, which is just, I think that's just like, demons i think that's just demon worship broadly speaking in the bible whenever i heard someone talk about it on youtube it's like we have baal today and it's just you know wealth and like influencing and being an influencer and just like falling into that lifestyle it's not of god but anyway he goes head to head with the uh priests of baal and um he defeats him in this glorious uh 
he mocks them. It's hilarious. He's like, oh, yeah, you think you guys are tough? Make it harder for me. I'll, I'll beat y'all. Don't worry about it. And he does. And then after that, there's a bit of a hiccup where he kills them all. Um, but we won't go into that. And then the Queen Jezebel, I believe, then threatens him. I've always thought this was quite funny. But again, very human, very like, I get it. Uh, this queen then says, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, oh no. And then runs into the desert and falls asleep under a tree and an angel brings him food. He wakes up, they eat some, depending on your translation, it's either bread or cake. I prefer cake uh, for my imagination. Cake and water. There's that three times and on the third time says, eat up because you're going to need this. And then he goes into the what? Desert. How long for? 40 days. And then at the end, what? Meets God. He then flies away on a chariot fire, but that's a whole other thing not relevant for this part of the story so um that's the story of elijah and we see that explicit of god provided for him he ran into the desert ran away and hid and then an angel came and provided food so when we're in this spiritual desert entering into this unknown and this wilderness and everything that we did know beforehand is gone and we're just left with nothing except god and Elijah says this prayer, which I think is beautiful. Probably not the way he meant it, but God took it the way he wanted. It's like, God, take my life. I imagine Elijah was like, kill me now. Just kill me now. But he said, take my life. And God was like, okay, I'll take your life and I'll use it. And he does. And so that's a, uh, be careful what you pray for. St. Joseph had the same problem. Um, where are we? So, yeah, so... He entered into the desert and he, he lay down and gave his life to God. And in that, the Lord provided. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't this like really comfortable lifestyle that he was then given. He was then sent into the desert, but he was given what he was needed in order to survive that ordeal of desert time, which is just really a, a time of change, of reorienting yourself to Christ. I mean, look at the Israelites... It was coming away from that Egyptian way of life into the way of life of God. Look at, um, yeah, Elijah. It's uh, what he was running away from was his his weakness and his failure. And it's like he he failed God when the queen threatened him, even though he saw God's amazing works. He gave up and then said, "Go into the desert and I'll meet you at the end." So go think about what you've done, <laughs> but like. Remember who I am. Come find me. Rid yourself of everything, all your doubts and all your concerns by fasting and abstaining, um, by taking away your comforts and finding a place where only I am. And um, f come find me and I'll meet you. With Elijah, uh, it was a still small voice. With God, it was the second well not second it was the it was jesus <laughs> and with jesus it was jesus too um so practically speaking what is the desert and what has it got to do with lent and my life so just on the face of it as i've mentioned the desert is a place where you go without it's not just missing the odd meal here or there but it's changing what we have access to it's changing it's forcing ourselves to change. Because like we can do something like, okay, I'm not going to wear socks for Lent. A bit weird, but okay. Or I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent. Um, it's moving more in the right direction, but how is that affecting your life? 
how is that making you turn to God more? Um, what we first need to do is we need to empty ourselves of all the things that we've put on ourselves. Go into a place where there's nothing but God and enter into that silence. One thing that I've noticed going into Lent this year with the Exodus 90 is you have those moments where you're waiting for the kettle to boil or you're, uh, you know, you, you've, you've set off a process and you're waiting for it to finish, your toast to rise in the morning or you're waiting for someone to come downstairs. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll be right back, just wait one minute. And you're just there. Now, in my ordinary lifestyle, phone's out, YouTube shorts, and I'm scrolling until they get back or until the toast popped. And then the toast goes cold and I'm still on YouTube shorts, kettle's gone cold, so on and so forth. So there is that. So it's getting getting rid of that. And in that moment, like the, the pious answer is pray. But then I, I guess my challenge is like, what is prayer? So I have to pull out a rosary for like 30 seconds whilst I wait for the kettle to finish boiling? Or do I have to, you know, do do a couple of decades whilst I'm waiting? I'm unsure if that's your thing. But if it's not your thing, what else is there? And, you know, God is there in the silence. God is there in the still small voice. And going into the desert where we find that space, we find that space where God can enter into our lives because what we've done in our life is we filled our hands up with goodies and phones and desires which aren't of God and going into desert is emptying our hands so that God can fill it so when we look at Lent or Advent or just a time when you could even do it like if you're changing jobs you know the first 40 days get rid of everything and allow God into that space so when we're looking at these times of entering into the desert, we can find out what are the things that we have allowed to take hold of our lives. And we can rediscover who God is. And in finding out who God is, we can find out how we, who we are and what God has in, in store for us. So, I encourage you in this Lent to enter into the desert, or whenever, whatever time in the year you're listening to this, Enter into a spiritual desert for a time. Find out who God wants you to be. My name is Dominic Malgieri. This is Curiosity Catholic, the Evangelion podcast. God bless.